is gonna have the news. Monday, July 1st. This is LA Podcast. I'm Scott Frazier. We have Hayes Davenport and Alyssa Walker here. We have a fair amount to talk about this week. Particularly We're out of June the- gloom. That's the big thing. It really yeah, did actually, come, the, like, right it to the day. very hard yeah. this month. It was awesome. I love June Gloom. <laughs> Me too, actually. <laughs> but we also, we need to have a naming competition for, Alyssa, you named all the, all the bad weather of the other months. Well, this one, if you want to go for heat, it's July Fry. Okay. So you have to have ones for heat for the summer because extreme heat is deadly. July Fry is it. good. But if it is gloomy, we do need it because your, not, it your gloom name was July yeah. Sky and it was the only bad one. It was not good. Yeah. Um, And so we can take pictures on that. That's that item taken but care Fogust of. But Foggist is set. Foggist, I can't that. wait for yeah. Foggist. I look forward to August so I can it's experience not very, Foggist. It's never classic. very foggy. I know, August. but just like, when, like you guys follow the you uh, so on Twitter, the Marine Lair. Do I follow the marine layer? Yeah. No. There's <laughs> <laughs> like a personified uh, marine layer Twitter oh, I, account. Oh, I should. I like, I saw somebody post a photo. They were like, oh, buildings reflected through the smog. And like all the comments were like, you mean marine layer? <laughs> <laughs> it was like really good defense, Angelina defense. Does anyone have a good LA story? My LA story for this week, I don't know if it's good or not, is basically that I have decided to become, I, I've decided to transition my extremely online angry about bus lanes uh twitter presence into being gonna become a bus i'm going to become (laughs) a person who lives in my council members inbox oh yeah Yeah. i love that (laughs) i actually i actually had an idea about this do you want to talk talk about what you're doing and i have an idea i basically decided that actually this, this kind of ties into my my previous la story where i rode the the metro bike down uh sunset from silver lake to downtown and it was you know and at times just like biking always is in la it alternated between being a pleasant and a harrowing experience so i was thinking about how much better sunset would be just in general if it had bus lanes and and protected bike lanes there how is easy it would be if you just got rid of the few street parking spaces exactly. that can exactly. contribute very little right now. Um, that, that do very little for the, the businesses that are presently there. Uh, the the thing is, there is already a group called Sunset for All that is working to get protected bike lanes along the length of, of Sunset from downtown to, to Vermont. And um, I kind of just went and reached out to people on on Twitter and was just like, would, would anybody be interested in uh kind of cattily would would anybody be interested in you know a letter writing campaign to council members in districts one four and 13 which cover this particular stretch of sunset i decided to lead you know what else am i doing i decided to just start writing messages to uh to council district 13 mitch o'farrell who represents my my part of silver lake and great uh, emails by thank the way. you and uh, very generous of you to share them with the world to also send if they want to i, I wanted to do it in as like uh templatized a way as possible uh-huh. so that people could kind of get a sense that like contacting your representatives doesn't have to be this uh frightening thing or it doesn't even have to be something that takes you a ton of time to do yeah the big takeaway from me and having done this a couple times now this week is that mitch o'farrell's office really wants to dismiss this issue as quickly as they do not want to engage on this at all. They How do you know that? What did, what did you what gave you that sense? Their first response was uh, the council member hasn't responded at all. That's fine. His head of policy has directed me to a field deputy, somebody who is just kind of responsible for intake of uh, um, P constituents, <laughs> and. Uh, it's it's kind of just like, oh, well, there are plans that exist. There's the mobility plan 2035. We've talked about that on this show. There's uh, an the, implementation of that is going great. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that was kind of my response. And there's there's the, the L.A. city bike plan. And if you want uh, basically the, the, the response was if you want to educate yourself on the things that are already in planning, Oof. then you can talk to this other person. Wrong guy. Uh, I actually remembered that at, at a certain point in the past, Mark Valionados and me, Mark Valionados of uh, Greater LA, is that correct? Yes. Um, he was doing work with uh, Abundant Housing at the time, um, and him and I went down to Council District 13 
to talk to Mitchell Farrell's office about supporting uh, more apartment buildings being able to be built by Sunset because it's, you know, yeah. four four bus lines that are right there. And it's a great place with its proximity to downtown for multifamily housing. And not downzoning some of those areas, which there has been an active which there has Plan been to do coming directly out of Mitch O'Farrell's office. So we yes. actually talked to to the person who I spoke with, um, O'Farrell's head of policy, and I just I, I had this memory after she emailed me back of being in in their office and her telling um, Mark Valianatos and myself that she was from Boston and that Boston was a place where public transportation could work as opposed to you LA. Love to hear it and and that. Um, proximity to a bus line on sunset did not actually mean that an area was transit accessible. So ah. they they don't want to engage on this issue. I, I sent them another email. Lauren Nelson had, of course, a huge article come out. We're going to talk about it. About that. Okay, so we'll get into that later. Uh, Lauren Nelson's article, I sent them just an email being like, look at this, confirming my transition into that guy, I guess. That's yeah. Just well, go- they're gonna tell you to read stuff you've obviously already read, right? <laughs> you, might as well, you might as well do but the so same thing. I do think there's a valuable thing we could do, and this idea of like the advocating out loud thing, right. like showing your work, being like, I emailed this person. Here's what I emailed them. Right. Cut and paste it. You know, whatever. Yeah. You know, just change it. But like, what if we did that? And and then in, in the same last few weeks, investing in place, which has been super mm-hmm. outspoken about yep. bus, you know, getting more lanes. And they shared that viral video of the flower bus lanes, which just standing on flower the other day, just just standing on there waiting for the bus and having all these buses come in, stop, go, come in, stop, go. I mean, it is like an exhilarating moment. Yeah. So let's, they have a hashtag. It's called like better buses for LA, right? What if we all started emailing our council members or tweeting at them or whatever, all in like the same day each week and just like, hey, me again, it's bus Friday or whatever. Uh I'm just saying this now. I don't know. Is that a good day to email your people? But what if we all just, agreed to do it on the same day and they could not ignore the bus tweets coming in. Yeah. Maybe you could just do them any day you want. We want to spread them out, but, or get together with your friends and I, I honestly have a think bus it can party. be either, it can either be on the same day or spread out. I think it's really just, do just it all the, the time. It's just the Word regularity. Yeah. Service is not sweeps. Uh, really. Exactly. Yeah. That, and that's exactly and what they, I was going to mention. Yeah. Resolved. Yeah. So it's this coordinated hashtag or whatever, but just uh, working out loud, sharing these letters, posting them and just encouraging people to take the language. Exactly. Like you yeah. said, to take away that idea that we're, it's scary or you mm-hmm. might not get a response. I, I think you might not get a response. I, I honestly think that as I've been doing this, because I've, I've never done any, uh, anything already with this intention to do it uh, right. regularly. The the clear thing Except to the me, podcast. I've had any, any contacts <laughs> of my representative to, to intend to do it with such regularity. I think that the, the striking thing to me is that pretty much any concern that you can think of is dismissed by, uh, by a, a representative of any description until you reach a certain point. And, yeah. and then that, that point is um, obviously not where we're at now. So but a certain volume and like magnitude of, yeah, of when, people complaining about it, which is, as we talk about on the show all the time, they're getting from the other side of exactly. the political spectrum on this. Uh, in favor of those same parking spots that you were talking park, about on More sunset. parking spots right. uh, to like scrap the bus yep. entirely. Entirely. <laughs> Replace yes. it with Lyft or whatever. So at the very least, you have to cancel those people out so that our... Children the, yeah. can uh, live in a habitable live, planet. Yes, be alive. The, and the one thing about like buses specifically is with housing stuff, it takes a really long time. Like right. it's it's very like you know we we can try to do it faster, put up units and things like that. But no matter what, these things are difficult to implement with any kind of speed. Buses they could do next week it's if they paint. It is yeah, paint on the paint road. And well, ideal for like you, like it would be nice to put in some real bollards to like uh, sure. to, to protect for, people. For buses, buses could be done next week. It's yes. And confirming the hashtag better buses for LA FOR spelled out. Check out what investing in place is trying to do because their goal is in within six months to have another dedicated, really like prominent dedicated bus lane and to and not more. get rid of the flower lane once the, the, oh, they sub, can't. Once the line they can't. Up if you yeah. stand there you and see it, you'd be like, how could we ever get rid of it? Let's continue the momentum with my transit nightmare stories of this week. Thursday night, I go out on a scooter carrying my helmet around. My life, by the way, since I've started taking more scooters is just people running after me out of every restaurant and party I go to saying, you forgot your helmet. 
I forget it everywhere I go. How do I fix this? This is this is for another time. I go out on a scooter. I go. I meet some people downtown. I scoot over to uh, uh, Koreatown, do some karaoke there with some friends. Uh, and then I'm leaving karaoke, getting ready to scoot back, and I see that my phone is dead. Mm-hmm. I have no way. So just like put yourself in this position. Yeah. How do you get I'm, out of I've this? I've been there. Like you, there's no way to contact your loved ones who are um, increasingly worried about you. That's a minor consideration. You have to get home. You are, are yes, you have to keep this. And the you buses, have enough money to not starve the to death for like three days. 14 hours until the next bus You have bus no idea. Coming. You just stand at a bus stop. It might not yeah. come until the next morning. Right. Uh, can't can't take a scooter. I was, thank God, within, knew that there was a subway at uh, Wilshire and Western, which most people don't. And I was within walking distance of it. Yep. Uh, I get down into the station. There's obviously no time provided of how long this, this could take. And so I think, God, this could be up to... Like 20 minutes, yeah. 28 minutes yeah. What before the subway came. No. And by the way, that was the subway to take me two stops, which is the <laughs> length of the purple line by itself to the red line where I could switch and go up to my local station, which is probably like a kind of 25 minute walk yeah. from where I live. Yeah. So I like slump into you the just got house home like, right now, like five yes, minutes ago. Just now. <laughs> exactly. I should tell. I haven't even told my wife that, that I'm alive. She's probably and married. You le- and you left she your helmet. Remarried. You left your helmet at the karaoke bar. I mean, the one tip I have for you, Hayes, although you're not going to like this, it's something else to carry around, but I carry around a USB thing to plug in my phone with me all the time. Uh, like ultimately, I it would have been faster to go to CVS and buy a charger and like find oh, yeah. an outlet yeah. somewhere yeah. and get a lift and and then get a lift that so would have definitely been or, a taxi? Or, 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 could you or, call, or at that point a scooter could you somehow hail know where a taxi is and did you have like cash i guess you could pay the credit card but like, the, where, the where card, would where you, where you even exactly, go get a taxi that, that was my next thought oh i'll hail a taxi and then like wow yeah. where how hotel that, i guess you could go to a hotel you could have walked to like the line the line do you think there are taxis like waiting up i, you I mean just tell i don't them know to call you one that's true sorry i'm just thinking here this is i'm worried about you. sir taxi please <laughs> <laughs> Then the next night, having learned nothing, go out again on a scooter just to Echo Park, hang out there for a while, try to take a bird home, and it tells me that it's after hours. This is at like 12.05 a.m., and it says, check back tomorrow morning to ride the scooter. So I think that might be part of the L.A. permitting deal is that they turn them off between midnight and something else to encourage, I mean, to discourage drunk Okay. Scooting. I'm well, just guessing. And cars are the next yeah. phase of this you should, operation. But drive your car home. Yeah. I mean, so anyway, I have become a mass murderer <laughs> <laughs> over those two uh, nights. Uh, I, I mean, I, but the, the rage. I've never encountered anything like that. And Twelve. Uh, yeah, that's too early. Even weird. if you're trying to solve that problem, that's way too early. Or to we're talking or, about keeping bars open until four. Yeah. yeah. It's well, like it's. it's too early in many cases and too like just the the notion that that's going to stop people from being drunk on a scooter is probably flawed to begin with um well, that you could hook up a breathalyzer to all of yeah, them yeah well that's what i'm saying like the it, it's the obviously the drivers are the problem but um it seems like 12 if you wanted to actually turn them off maybe turn them off at two but that's still that doesn't you're what is being accomplished is, is really my question yeah. um, and, i mean like you know drunk riding a bike it's not that hard. I've done it. <laughs> like, I, like, so at least like activate the jump bikes, which I don't know if they were activated because as we've talked about, the jump bikes are disappearing. There's fewer of them for sure. They raised the prices, areas. I guess, because they, of a supply and demand issue because there's now like demand. two of them. <laughs> I've still never taken a jump bike, but you do definitely notice there are fewer of them around and more of the wheels. Wheels. The wheels are like a gang war. I, I mean... The, you know, they're the ones that are now the the private capital funded option, right? Like they're not owned by either of the big not now. Yet. Po- so, but that's I mean, the unlimited supply right. was funded by yeah. was funded by ve- uh, venture capital. Yeah, here, and now those companies have to figure out some way to to like break uh, even. Hmm. So, I have not been able to get those to work one time. Might be something with my app or whatever, but it just says this, you might this actually, one's offline. This one's offline. You might actually be too old to ride. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't want to tell me in a way that Scan will insult license. me. So it's just like, oh, sorry, this one's broken. <laughs> and some 12-year-old sorry, comes up. You're and, not dressed right <laughs> for this bike. <laughs> Alyssa, do you, any LA stories? 
Uh, I I don't want to complain about any transit experiences this week, but um, okay. I will. I can in a future. <laughs> yeah, <after>. sure. <laughs> you certainly have complaints you can make. Uh, let's talk about uh, probably the biggest thing from this week. Uh, the state budget was announced. Uh, we've heard a lot about different plans, especially for housing, uh, that Gavin Newsom was putting together for his first state budget. And the budget did include uh, like a good amount of money for or not sufficient amount of money for housing, but more than uh, the state has gotten in the past. Uh, and a lot of that money is going to L.A. Specifically, they have uh, budgeted six hundred and forty million dollars split up between big cities, counties and what's called a continuums or continua, I guess, of of care. I think they do call them continuums. Of care. But isn't it? Oh, who cares? Uh, <laughs> but which is like the local housing and like homelessness authorities of different uh, different parts of the state. L.A. City alone, Garcetti says, is getting about one hundred and thirty million dollars of this money out of six hundred and forty, which is also being split to other big cities and counties and uh, and continuums of care. So that means L.A. between city, county and the uh, LASA, the uh, Homeless Services Authority, is going to get a ton of money yeah. from this package, which is a good thing. At the same time, uh, Prop 2, which we voted in favor of last year, which allocates $2 billion to housing uh, for people experiencing homelessness, for uh, supportive housing, that's opening up now, basically. Mm -hmm. That's coming online. The city council's response to this yeah. this week was to file an official motion asking for $1.2 billion more dollars. I believe that they basically asked for this like the day the budget. Now this is, this is a, this has done. Yeah. This has been moved by my council member, uh, Mitchell Farrell out of CD 13 as, and seconded by council president Herb Wesson out of the 10th district. Um, I don't believe they voted on it yet. Did they? Sorry. Yes. I don't think that. Yeah. They just filed the motion. Right. And I mean, has, okay. That, that being said, I think that we all in this room probably can speculate that they will in fact vote 15 in to zero favor in of favor. this unanimously. Unanimous. Um, uh, Mayor Garcetti has also indicated his support yet yeah, to your question. Hayes, this was the same day that the, the agreement was made. Uh, Mitchell Farrell's office in that same story where they were announcing this, uh, the motion to, to, for this resolution was saying that he was basically going door to door in Sacramento, knocking on uh, politicians doors for support to get this one plus billion dollars specifically for L.A. County, which I, I don't I mean, there's really it's not going to happen. Right. And if it were, <laughs> it seems like the time to make this ask would be while they were deciding how much money to allocate for this program and not the day the decision was made. I mean, I like right. it's, it's fine. To, so, look, it's fine to ask for as much state money as possible. We need as much money as we can get mm -hmm. for this problem. So it's OK to ask before the, or at the same time, at least, it seems like we should be coming up with ways to spend the money that's already uh, yeah. been allocated by whether it's HHH or like like the other bond measures that have been passed or this huge amount. Of, so the money that's being sent to us right now between Prop 2 and the state Precedent suggests that we are not going to be able to spend by the time the next budget comes out. So the the timeline here is that the state legislature has been consumed in talks about the budget for basically the past month plus. Mm -hmm. But like pri even prior to that, the all, everyone who works in city government in Los Angeles had ample warning that. The Los Angeles homeless numbers were going to be very bad this year. Mm -hmm. That's something that's been known for uh, for a long time, even if the specifics weren't out. The count came out in early June. And this ask, like you're saying, came out at the end of June as talks were wrapping up on the budget. So you do kind of wonder what is happening there? Why is it that the council members seem like not only were they not really uh, deeply concerned about the, the messages that were coming out about the homeless count numbers prior to the month of June, even when the numbers first came out, mm -hmm. they didn't immediately turn around and say, what do we do about this? They said, it's Sacramento's fault. And then after, I think, uh, universally, there was this condemnation about the handling of this homelessness crisis mm -hmm. by outlets across the country. We even got a mention during one of the Democratic debates during the past week for having tent cities on our streets. Now that there is this universal condemnation about the, not only the way that the city leaders have handled the crisis, but also about their response to the news that the crisis is continuing to get worse. Then we get this uh, motion to get more money. To me, it looks like another exercise in blame shifting coming out of city council. I, I agree with you that 
more money is needed. But in the absence of an actual plan, a verifiable mm -hmm. plan to use the money, as you were saying, or even an indication that there would be some sort of mechanism by which to hold accountable our city leaders and make sure that they're not just going to shamelessly capitulate to whatever NIMBY group pops up in opposition to homelessness, uh, to housing the homeless in the, that community, yeah. which is always going to be a, a factor, right? Like we need to have some sort of commitment that, that the money is going to be spent in a reasonable way. Otherwise, what is the point of just like taking a dump truck and just pouring out huge amounts of cash all over LA if it's, if it's not actually going to go anywhere towards solving the problem? Also, if we had done this from the beginning, I guess we had a different governor there and there was a different, you know, expectation of getting money, but we've waited so long now that the construction costs have gone up so much. How do you fight your way back from except going back in time when we could yes. have been building yeah, these the beginning and we, should we be, didn't was the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. It just seems like we're we're just like you said we're digging a bigger and bigger hole. It'd be one thing like uh, like you're saying, Scott, that if they if the city said we have these 100 city-owned lots, we're gonna put supportive housing on all of them, and we're gonna build it up as high as we can. Here's how much this is gonna cost the state. You you've got to yeah. put up this much money, and we will do this project. But as it is, it just seems like a number that Mitchell Farrell pulled out of thin air, right? I, I, I don't, yeah. One, it's matched to HHH. Yes. Okay, so, so it's to double it's the to existing HHH. But yes. that's, that's what should have been part of HHH. Well, what I was have been saying is that it, it should have been part of that deal to begin with. We should yes. have said this will be matched by the state. And I think there was conversation with that, but there's never like a deal. And, and as, as far as, um, as far as like accountability goes, I think by virtue of the fact that HHH and H were both, uh, propositions that came out of respective county and city governance structures, there is really an absence of how do we hold the elected officials accountable? How do we hold the, uh, the bureaucracy accountable to deliver what they say they're going to deliver? I think uh, what's speaking what's, of accountability, what's particularly <laughs> concerning yes. to me, I think when you when you couch this request as being specifically, let's double, we need a state match of HHH funding is that LA has already said, we're not going to deliver on the promise we underperformed of underperformed by 40%. We already, we already missed our yeah chance. We're just getting our first HHH funded building, you know, three years later, but we've reduced. Partly because they took so long to like make this stuff happen. And there wasn't really a plan going in there to was, HHH. Right. Exactly. There was no plan going in. Um, we've, we've delayed and dragged our feet at every opportunity. We've given in to the unreasonable demands of groups that just like will oppose whatever plan is brought forward. And the city controller is now investigating how the money was yeah, has been great argument to I mean, double it. Double yeah. it. Yeah, no, that'll that'll solve all our problems. Then we can almost get the number that the number that we were initially promised at the ballot. <laughs> oh, I if see we how just this double works. the funding. It's like a construction loan. You just like you just if you wait long yeah, enough, you might eventually <laughs> yeah. approach what you were originally yeah. promised. And then this week, also speaking of accountability, Anna Scott from KCRW got to speak to the mayor about all the recent developments, and and he had the best quote, which was. Taking responsibility doesn't mean being responsible, and I just yeah, want to work him, she, through that. It's incredible. <laughs> it's an it's a Hall of Fame Garcetti response uh, along the lines of what was the one of uh, when he went to pro Israel? Both. Pro both. Yes, I just the guy is so good. Uh, he, he, he lives on this particular spot. Yes. It is yes. incredible. Nobody could touch him in this um, territory. What was, what was the specific context for she, that? She asked him, so you've said that you're, you know, taking responsibility for... I, it was the letter he sent to all Angelinos, this letter yes. where he said, like, I take... He said, I take full, full responsibility. responsibility. Yes. And uh, homelessness since he became mayor has increased by, it's on billboards that UCLA put up around the city. I forget the exact number, but I believe it's something like 100%. I think it's like pretty close to doubled while he was in office. Right. And she said, what do you think the policies of your administration are that like had could have had something to do with how this has gone? Or what would you change about how you've approached this so far? that has led to you now taking responsibility for fixing it. And that's what he said. Well, taking responsibility is different from being responsible. Right. I'll fix this. But and then he says explicitly, this is caused by stuff that was like way out of my control from like decades ago, which is true. I mean, to some extent, true. Yeah. It's but, certainly true ish. Yes. But also n not doing anything in the in the first 
six years of your administration also has had some effect on the numbers continuing to rise and rise and rise. So that um, taking responsibility is not the same as being responsible, which sounds like a political epitaph if I've ever, <laughs> if I've ever heard one. I have another one from this week for later <laughs> if, if, if we don't have enough room on it. That, that that sort of gives the game away as far as his second response to the homeless count numbers goes, because really what he's saying is I wanted people to I wanted people to regard me as the one L.A. political figure who was taking this seriously. I wanted the praise of like understanding what a major issue this is, but I do not want the blame that I'm saying yes. that I deserve. And who's going to be the person who is going to come in and fix it and is going to take responsibility for it? Like when he promised to end veteran homelessness at Los Angeles by, I want to say, 2015 yeah. or something like that. Right. And failed spectacularly yep. and has never brought actually, up again. It got really good, actually. They did do a really good job for the first few years. I don't think it's anything to do with necessarily policies that he did, but they did do a good job with like this new data driven analysis of where the veterans were and how they could help them and getting them into care. But then without taking care of the other part where people are paying explosively high rents and yes. getting, you know, pushed down the streets, it's like no attention has been paid onto that side of it until this year. Yeah. So like that is actually one of the main areas yeah. where homelessness has decreased. It has not ended. Exactly. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But like the fact that he has made these promises in right. the past and Yes, that have not come to fruition, yep. which, by the way, is in, entirely achievable. Right. Like to ending better. Any other cities, that's been the one to, big win from, to, yes, get, from uh, to get homelessness in general to quote unquote functional zero by you know the the date keeps changing. I think now it's by the Olympics. Yes. Um to to say that Vision Zero, the uh, the city's goal to end traffic fatalities of all varieties, um, will be a decade long success. All of these things. That, that like you're saying, these are claims and promises that are made that then they just come out of nowhere, vanish. Yeah. Do we not have the right to ask what well, like why didn't these other ones work? If and what does it say about yeah. these new promises? Right. He also this week, Liam Dillon, friend of the podcast, uh, the LA Times reporter, talked to Mayor Garcetti about the budget and said the question that we were just asking: Why hasn't he really been involved? In the, in the process of planning for Southern California's housing growth between the arena numbers well, we that talked we talked about, about last, with Pablo yeah, and also this, you know, the budget stuff. I mean, he hasn't really been out in front, like trying to uh, get this money necessarily. And Garcetti says he plans to now. And he said that was a little bit of a ball dropped. Yeah. And this is Which, by the way, is much more accountability than yeah. they were necessarily like used to seeing but i would say that it was a, a pretty big i that would just it's not really a ball i mean at that point it's like you didn't come to the game yeah i mean that's that is true you really you really cannot do anything productive um in 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 terms of dictating the future of southern california's regional planning if you refuse to show up at these meetings which are held just a few blocks away from City Hall. To say it is a little bit of a ball drop. It's like we can, uh, I, I think going forward, we can kind of just say it, in any place where it appears that Garcetti is uh, taking responsibility, he is probably not saying that he is responsible, right? I mean, that yeah. is <laughs> so like no, a, ball, a ball was dropped, but that doesn't mean that Garcetti is saying that he dropped that ball. Yes. Um, but I, I think that this... It, who is paying attention to these issues in City Hall? Like th this is what this is what these people are ostensibly there for. This is what we send them there for to take care of these issues. The fact that we have, you know, in in uh, Pavo Mankanen, we have a professor who is um, essentially had, has essentially become responsible for bird dogging local elected officials to shame them into showing up to the, the various councils that they sit on is so dysfunctional as to like basically be farcical. And, and I, I don't know, I just don't know how to make city council members, how to make the mayor, how anybody can force them to take seriously jobs that they kind of just seem to, to regard as a joke. Uh, let's talk about, we got another strike coming up. Strike, strike season. Strike, strike season. is strike in the year. air. It's just strike yes. year. Meltdown May has extended into June <laughs> and, and July. This one's a grocery store strike, which, you know, I've heard from a lot of people who lived through the last one. I was not in L.A. When, when was when, it? 2003, uh, like October 2003 into 2004. Okay, I, va I vaguely remember this. Could 
have much bigger ramifications than even the teacher strike did. So this is uh, the union is the United Food and Commercial Workers. They represent employees of Vons, Albertsons, Pavilions and Ralph's. And these are the really big grocery store chains in Southern California. I think we talked about on our live show at UCLA. Ralph's oh, yeah. and like Kroger is the 10th biggest employer or something in all of L.A. County. These are a huge, huge operation. They have something like 400 stores in the Southland. The stores have been offering their employees raises of 1% a year. Yep. The employees are saying that's not enough. The consumer price index in this area rose by 3.1% yeah. from May to May. And so with these small increases, they're not able to keep up with the cost of living. Even more, I mean, even more, uh, if you look at a different year to year period, like for instance, we talked about rent control in LA. That was, uh, the CPI was like 4%. I think, Just went up by 4%. September to September. So yeah, so yes. definitely far behind what it would take to actually keep up with cost of living. Yes. And the, the problem gets worse every year that that you're uh, that you're behind, behind the, the cost right. of living increase. So this week, the union authorized the strike. They got a 96% yes vote in the authorization. Uh, so leadership is now permitted to order a walkout at any time. Yeah, they're still negotiating. Their contract has expired uh, back in March, I think. But they're still negotiating. But the the union is saying they are ready to to walk out on this. During the last strike, uh, which uh, 16 years ago, the stores lost uh, about $1.5 billion total combined, uh, and it lasted for four months. There were picket lines outside every one of the stores that you had to cross if you wanted to go in. The thing now that uh, like people are saying makes it a little different is that there are more options for places to go and shop than there were then. Like This, this wouldn't affect... Whole Foods, Gelson's, Trader Joe's, places that are not unionized, but it would still have an enormous impact uh, for people that like, especially in areas that don't have a lot of grocery stores. What is the ethical way to so say that there is a strike? Like what is, what does ethical consumption look like? Grow for, your own food for well, farmers market for people yes, who, market. who want to not, you know. 7-11. In spirit violation. Are, the, are the you strike. scabbing by going to Trader well, Joe's during a strike? This is yeah, this is what I'm saying. Like, do you you know by going to Whole Foods and supporting um, you know Amazon.com, yeah. a, a company that a company that has <laughs> yeah. that might um, be as much right money now not, not Amazon, sure, but like a, a company that has you know premised very large amounts of its worldwide growth on just uh, um, opposition to labor standards mm -hmm. and. Uh, regulations of all kinds um, that those stores obviously are not unionized, but it's like, yeah, I guess farmer's market, you said, is, is a good, it's not necessarily accessible are to everybody. Somewhat spread out around the region, I would say. Like, you could probably find one pretty close to your house, although you can't buy everything there. There are a hundred every week yeah, in LA. There's so, there's a lot. Um, they are not, they are not equally distributed i will yeah. say well, throughout the region like oh yeah, four I mean, in San Juan. i mean yeah. that yeah i mean i but there are they are everywhere i right, guess yeah. i mean there are fairly close you maybe not as close as a grocery store but that's the only tip i have my question is is this you know we had the teacher strike last year uh we've had the writers guild almost go on strike and uh we all fired our agents recently yep uh now this one is coming up is there something in the air? Is this like an L.A. thing? Is this something that's happening all over the country? It seems like labor is going for it. If more it's now. during an election, like the cycle of the election, you're allowed, you're likely to get um, attention from national candidates running mm -hmm. for president and other offices. So it's yep. if you want to make a, a big fuss. It's a good time to do it. This is I, it's a really interesting question, and and I think you're right, Alyssa. Like it, this is a good time to do it in general because the presidential election is coming up, but also specifically because it is this president. And um, and, and you know, like I think over the course of the past, um, well, like really since the last grocery strike, like for over the last like 15, 16 years, labor in general has been so just kept on their back foot the entire uh, the entire time. They haven't been able to mount successful resistances to the the kind of eroding of um, of labor power that we've seen. They've just been trying to maintain what they currently have. As we see a generation in millennials and presumably Gen Z as well come up who are uh, fonder of labor protections in general, who have known 
less of fair labor protections in the workplace than their parents and grandparents generations did. I think that we are definitely starting to see there is something in the air. There's like a, a serious labor resurgence and the push for expanding what their workers can expect more mm. so in the past. Do, I, does that continue? I I don't know. I, and I'm, I'm actually very interested in the question that you asked about whether what we're seeing is specific to L.A. Mm-hmm. I do think that having local examples of success emboldens the, the other unions that we yeah. have around here. Well, get ready to hit the pickets again, I guess, if it wear sunscreen. I thought get another, a big hat. is Target okay to shop at? We buy groceries at Target. Target I'm just thinking of other options if this happens. Target is not included. In, no, it is like an acceptable yeah. place to go shop as opposed to Amazon's... Um, just don't, okay. whatever you do, do not cross the picket line. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just trying to think of alternatives. But Target, I was going to say, is also, they're all over the place and they have, you know, they're good, yep. they're good community local partner I've yep. seen. But just trying to think in my brain here because where am I going to get like my diapers? Right. <laughs> this is like a big concern. And, and, where yeah. do you buy like things and for look, your family? And you can't do it, but it means for a lot of people, if they don't want to cross the picket line, they're going to normally. driving farther and not having exactly access that. to a vehicle. I mean, yes. this is like, this could be really devastating for families. So they that's the, the stores should come up with a deal. Yeah, <laughs> really should. Let's tie uh, labor stuff into homelessness and policing. And we're going to cover it all at once with this new topic. Uh, we talked about the new uh, we talked about the services not sweeps campaign and how LA City Sanitation and the City Council in Garcetti are all saying we're going to change the way we do homeless sweeps or not we're not going to do these sweeps anymore we're going to have a more compassionate approach we're going to work with encampments and service providers and help clean the encampments and throw away trash and not dispose of people's tents and personal documents and worldly possessions, which is the way things have gone in the past. But city council voted unanimously today to keep the LAPD as part of uh, these new care teams. What I don't care, know. What, what does it stand for? I don't know. I mean, I confuse them with the hope teams, which so are also care. Yeah. This is a new one called care. Yes. Can anyone <laughs> remember? <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah, I. Uh, so, so right now, LA City Sanitation goes out when they do these sweeps, and a couple of armed cops go with them and kind of stand around with their like hands on their hips and just are prepared to bust heads if there's any violence. Uh, service providers, uh, K Town for All, our group Sela has been active in this. Have been saying we do, we go out. We don't need cops yeah. when we go out to yeah. encampments. And the, the idea that we would is we would never be able to make these contacts if we had cops with us. But my the, my understanding, and I believe that this is true, is that the request to still have police officers involved is coming from the sanitation workers who don't want to be going out to do this stuff alone. Because of the existing animosity between sanitation and the people living in the encampments, because they've been throwing away. Do you think there's more animosity between the police? And exactly. The it's not going to. It's not going to help. It's not going to do well, anything. I, I, I think that the the perceived difference from the city's standpoint is that when there exists animus between uh, any group of citizens and the police, the police are always presumed to be. Correct. Like their their prerogative is an overriding one. They yeah. get to do whatever they want by violence. If right. Necessary. And they said the animus can only go so far because the police have a monopoly on violence and could uh, extinguish it like through use of force if it comes to that. And the, the fact that it takes the three of us, you know, who all are, are fortunate enough to be housed um, all of like 15 seconds to walk through that chain of reasoning, you get the sense that the homeless also will be able to do so by virtue of actually interacting with these people on a daily basis. Sure. And the, the, um, I would say the threat of violence that underlies this is not going to go unnoticed by the people who are of course not. the the recipients of this new friendlier service that we're, we're talking about right. launching. But sanitation, I mean, this has become a huge part of a lot of their jobs uh, and probably not their favorite. Sure. And I sort of understand they're they're thinking the next time, the first time we go out there mm-hmm. under this new initiative without cops, 
someone could try and attack us and there would be no one there to like defend us basically. Yeah. And so now I'm like getting in a fist fight because like there's there's no one there to to help me. Yep. It seems like there could have been a compromise here of a sunset clause. If you do this program uh-huh. correctly right. and sanitation workers are showing up at encampments and saying, "Hey, show us where your trash is. Put it here in this area and we'll know when we come, we'll throw away your trash. Mm-hmm. We'll clean the place where you live and make it safer and healthier and more habitable for everybody." Honestly, if they start if they did that for a month, the whole energy of like the process would totally change and you would not need cops there anymore. I mean, I am so confused about the clause in this care care package um, about they're going to work with like people who actually live on the streets to as, you know, liaisons or yeah. give people jobs who are going, you know, there are programs like that set up in the city. We've talked about this before, how it's been held up in funding or something, you know, all the, the you yeah. know, these these programs that do do things like that in Scarborough and other places. But the, the this idea that we're, all of a sudden going to move from this complaint driven process, right? Where people report, literally report homeless encampments through three one the 311 app. Um, and so that's how you know that something is a problem. And then you get a ping when you do that, that tells you the sanitation workers are going back with police and outreach people or whatever, right? So I just don't understand how we, and you've seen the stories like in LA Times where they looked at the data and it's, you know, it's kind of the same places over and over. How do we get from that process when the complaint just, the complaint process shouldn't have been on 311 in the first place, but like we, the 311 services aren't even cleaning up the complaints in right. for to clean the streets in a, in a timely manner, in a good way. And the people who are doing it don't pick up the trash that is right next to the thing that was reported anyway. So who is going to be out here knowing where these places are, talking to these people? Is this a council thing? Is this like these community li- liaisons we're going to start? appointing is it have to be groups like yours Hayes like Sila like somebody has to say like I know this neighborhood I talked to all these people I'm walking around I never see any of these people walking around you know yeah. it's always like a huge sanitation truck and a couple cop SUVs you know and it's just the only people who are on foot are like the outreach people from like path in my neighborhood who are great and show up and talk to people and they're but like who they are so busy. So like sure. who who is doing this? I will do this. Like I will walk around and talk to people. And sure. like, yeah. I know in my neighborhood, you could come to me and I could tell you, here's where we need help. These people aren't in a safe place. Like, come on. And, but I don't see that happening. And I don't see the council districts doing it. And, and I will say um, now having gone out once with uh with sila the group that that hayes works with regularly you know i received training on how to like approach and talk to people who are living unhoused dealing with the traumas associated with that in a respectful way and still like to be of help to them and it didn't take long and i would say my thought is I, I agree with what Hayes was saying that, you know, for, I, I see the perspective of the sanitation workers. I also understand the difficulty that cops have in dealing with unhoused individuals because they are, you know, cops are only human and it becomes very difficult when you're at work and you are frequently having to wonder what it is that your actual job is like. How do you measure success? Uh, when you are a police officer dealing with right. unhoused individuals. I get that. I think to me, the the issue is that I, I don't think that the the antipathy that the sanitation workers are afraid of can be remedied, remedied by the presence of police. What you're saying, at least make it a lot slower. It to, will make it a lot fix. slower because because yeah. basically if you're living on the street, if you're living on the LA river, if you don't have the good fortune to have shelter over your head every night and you have like a a tent or a sleeping bag and you're, and you're living on LA streets, you are seeing regularly at odd intervals, sanitation and cops show up, tell you, you have to move all of your things, seizing your belongings, taking things from you, making you feel very unsafe. Now you have the mayor, probably unbeknownst to you, almost certainly unbeknownst to you, making a uh, sort of feel-good statement that everything is going to change. And now, like, the hope teams are becoming the care care. teams. Yeah, now there's another outfit of, like, a a uniform that's coming for you. But it's the same people. It's the same people, yeah. It's sanitation and and they're telling you everything is different now. Why would you believe that? Right, and how do we get from here to there, I guess? I mean, how, where, I mean, I just, I can't see... 
I, I think honestly, what is strange to me is that C city council, again, is, is doing a, a decision that seems to have the hallmarks of just like first thought, best thought, like it's fucking naked lunch or something, right? Like this is not really a way to manage the rollout of a, a new sophisticated city program just to say, how can we handle any disputes that might happen as we're trying to get sanitation more involved and decrease the role of police. I know let's put police with every single one of these units. Um, it doesn't, it doesn't really make sense. It seems to me like there would be a lot more focus on, uh, actually going out to individuals who are unhoused saying, this is what we want to do, getting input from those people about how it could be done in a respectful way. And it doesn't seem like we're doing that. It's instead, it seems like we're just saying like, uh, we want things to be different, but not too different. And uh, we still want to maintain, you know, our, for lack of a better phrase, like our iron fist under the velvet glove sort of thing. Um, yeah. Hopefully that's not the case. I do. I do really think that this is a step in the right direction, even though I'm, I'm probably coming yeah, off I'm, sounding I very don't, negative. I don't want this not to happen or I, you know, I, this, the care future, whatever. Also the city lots thing you talked about or public property why are we cleaning streets if there's a public park city owned parking lot around the corner that you could let people move into and maybe store their vehicles there and maybe they could live there. And someone I, on site who's like maintaining yeah, it. I it mean, could I, be yeah. like a great idea. Yeah. Like that's not a hard thing to do. And I, I guess that's the harder part. I don't know this the, from the sidewalk to the public park because you are somehow institutionalizing it. But that's where we are. This yep. is our reality. It's an institution. Uh, we'll obviously be talking about that stuff a lot more in upcoming weeks uh, about something that is specific to this week. Always exciting for anyone involved in the in the transit community. Uh, Laura Nelson, LA Times reporter, friend of the show, her annual obituary uh, for the Metro bus. Is this an annual system. feature now? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. She yeah, definitely yeah. does an update on yeah. this every year. Um, <laughs> and kind of like taking like a, a victory lap cum uh, Roman triumph or something, because Laura Nelson of the LA Times has been reporting on this for years. And now she kind of just gets to like ceremoniously dunk on Metro officials who for the longest time were telling her that she was wrong and that yes. the, the bus and rail ridership were just fine. Thank you. Now she reports that uh, that ridership has decreased 25% over the course of the past decade, which sounds not fine, not good. <laughs> Uh, calamitous or some other word to describe it, but not good. And the headline was framed exactly right for this article. It was LA is hemorrhaging bus riders, worsening traffic and hurting climate goals. Yes. Yep. Thank you for putting that in there. Headline writers at the LA Times because I know reporters don't always. We are. And that 25% over 10 years, by the way, sorry, is really five years. I mean, it's between 13 and 18 is when the rates have really absolutely cratered between between 09 and 13, there was not that big of a of, of a change. Yeah. And so um, and, and especially the rail numbers were doing pretty well up until I think about, yeah, 2013, 2014 is when they started declining really fast. The bus network has been sort of slowly on the decline. And then it started accelerating, like you said, in the past five years. This is, I mean, at this point, this is a full on catastrophe that we know all of the causes to, which I think is probably the most frustrating to anybody who watches transit closely in this. We've seen the number of people leaving the system because they say buses are too slow increase. We've seen the number of people leaving the system because they say that service is too infrequent increase. And all of these people are going and buying cars. Lots of them are, are doing so, like putting themselves in debt in order to get a car. Uh, and now we are just like really doubling down on this vision of LA that we know doesn't work functionally. Like right? cutting services. Absolutely. So, okay. We've talked about this before, but there's two kind of, we talked about this idea, which I think was like a big idea of the story about Metro and somebody gave the best quote in the story that is Metro focuses too much on getting other people to ride the bus instead of caring yeah. about the passengers that it has now. And we've talked about the income level of most riders what's the like for a bus rider average income average income for uh it's fifteen thousand households i think that's from 2017 so i don't know if they've posted updated numbers since then Fifteen thousand for bus riders nineteen thousand for uh rail riders and we, the other thing we also know is that 
a lot of the trips, Metro plans for commuting trips, maybe to learn more of those, more of those people who work like nine to five jobs. So we have a lot, you have better service at certain times of day. You have almost no service as Hayes experienced yeah. certain, other times, right? So it's, there's two things here. It's like, one of them is you need to make the, the, the service for the people who don't have options, first of all, and you need to make it work for trips that are outside of work trips. And those are the two, I think, major takeaways that I got from improving the service. So speeding up buses, more buses, these are all things we've talked about. But how about the fact that we are actually serving the lowest income riders, right? So yes. they're like, there's this program which you apply for. The I, Metro's Life Program. Yeah. Okay. What's the, what's that stand for? I don't even know. There's too many acronyms in God, these no. shows. Low income fair subsidy. Okay. So that doesn't spell life. Lifts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's a program where you get you get a subsidized. Not fair. just for low income. For if you're, it's, it's like the senior right. program is part of that. Yeah. So if you're uh, students get something like that, I think they that get is actually a different program. Different program. But but this anyway, one okay. is uh, low income victims of domestic violence, individuals experiencing homelessness, uh, elderly, and individuals with immediate transportation needs. Okay, so how many people are we talking about? Two million. Like how many like po of the population are eligible for something yeah, like this? Yeah. I mean, what do you think, Scott? I mean, it's got, gotta be. In the it's, a, it's a large number. I mean, it would at, at a very bare minimum, I would say, be in the high hundreds of thousands. But between elderly and lower income people. So, like, for example, like people who are homeless alone right. in L.A. County. I mean, this is like a full county thing. Yeah, uh, that's true. Is and then over 60,000. 60, and then people I mean, who are over 65 yeah. are yeah. eligible. But you're talking about as actual a cut of the ridership or you're just saying like. No, no. I, I mean, I, oh. you're right. It probably is. Uh, it's got to be, I mean, at least a million and probably getting pretty close to two, two. people yeah, who are eligible so. for this kind of program who don't even have to ride the bus all the time. Just if they do, they would pay less. And those are the people we want to ride the bus anyway, if they're over 65, because we don't want those, the population driving yeah, <laughs> anymore, exactly. really. And they don't have to go to work because they're retired Yeah, and they need the bus to go on these short trips. So- to me, that is Metro's audience, mm -hmm. <laughs> and those are the people that we want to help the most and make sure that they can get where they need to go. So Metro has, of, of this plan, like how many people are they actually serving? We have this, this document of how many people that actually signed up for this. Their their own reporting uh, shows that 67,000 people participate in the program, right? which is barely more than the, the population of just people who are homeless in the city leaving out the rest of the low income population, which when you consider that we're talking about a ridership that skews very low income is pathetic. It is. Um, and, and there's an extreme like the, all of the burden is placed on individuals to get themselves into this program. You get the sense that Metro doesn't think that this is that big of a deal for the agency itself, setting aside the question of uh, the benefits that it would um, give to the low-income households that would make use of it, um, they don't necessarily think of this as being something that would benefit them particularly if they had, for instance, five or ten times as many people in this program. I think you would see major ridership differences if that were the case. But let's remember that uh, not that long ago, Metro talked about going to a fare-free model and that could be a solution, and, and then you wouldn't have to worry about the subsidy program anymore. The upshot of that, and that would simplify a lot of things, um, the, the upshot of that was that um, Metro actually said they believed that going fare-free would potentially increase ridership by 5%, which seems unlikely, seems a bit low. That seems very pessimistic to me. Is that but, compared but, to but if you now think, or but if you think about it? But if you think about it, they if they assume that being completely free for everyone all the time would only make a difference of 5% in ridership, then yeah, worrying about um, reducing fares for a couple hundred thousand people probably seems like it would have a minimal impact on sure. ridership. I think that that is probably a, a very flawed assumption. But well, I that's think where I was going with this. Why not make it free for, I mean, it's essentially, I don't know what the subsidized passes 75 are, right, right? So it's a, oh, for senior seniors and medicare fair okay so it's all the same cents. i mean why not do that slowly start making it more free because we've talked about how they, they don't make a lot of money off of fair recovery it's like such no. a blip in like the in the the funds slowly start making it more free and do the outreach to get more people riding 
and then compliment that with dedicated bus lanes. Yep. We're broken records here, but I mean, uh, yeah. it's, but make the service actually show up when it's supposed to show up and invest in the bus shelters so people don't feel like they are taking years off of their lives just by getting to and waiting for the bus to come. It's such a simple thing. It's such a simple thing. So the 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 fact that we don't have any agency with uniform control over like the experience of riding transit in in LA is is unfortunate because like we're as we're talking about dedicated bus lanes and uh, bus shelters, those are of course the uh, the responsibility of the cities, not of metro, which really sucks, frankly, because the cities don't care about doing that at all. And they've shown no interest in actually improving the transit riding experience and are sometimes downright hostile to the the supposition that that is part of their responsibilities. On the other hand, what Metro does control is the service that it runs, and they are also failing us on those counts. Here's why ridership, I think, would go up by way more than 5%, even with the garbage product uh, that they're putting out right now. Not complete garbage. It's it's not good. I mean, and also it's what, just waited twenty eight yeah. minutes for a, a train to connect to another what is it, train. What does it say about your product that you think if you made it free, no one would, <laughs> no one would be interested? But, well, no, I, I do think they are doing a lot of good things. I will I will just say they are doing a lot of good things when it comes to pushing the equity and and the sustainability. And they have people like thinking of these things and and trying to come up with a better solution. It's just not happening faster. This is the thing they spend, like the same document says they spend $15 million advertising the program mm-hmm. that could go like into the outreach. Isn't actually connecting. It's with not people. working. Yeah, I mean, and you could save that money. Just put that money towards making fares go away. Yeah. I mean, just, instead of the average, just say yes. you're signed up. And the, yeah. the reason I think it would make a huge ridership difference is the vast majority of people, when the bus pulls up, even if they vaguely know that it's like going in the right direction, they don't have a tap card. They've never, you need a huge amount of advanced planning yep. to get your tap card. They don't have a $1 bill and three quarters to, to pay cash. Like when people see a bus and they're on foot and they could take advantage of it, they think I I don't know how to get on this. Yeah, the barriers. If everyone knew that the bus were free, you could walk on and just get off when you're close to your destination and talk to the bus driver about what the best place is for you to get off. People would just do it. You could yep. just casually get on the bus, which is what you want. Like of you, course. you want the 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 like the minimal amount of barriers to riding transit to be in place. Uh, you want, for example, uh, something that I did the other day. I took the bus to Pine and Crane, which is a very short distance from my house, but I was walking there and I walked to Sunset. Is that where you went to get takeout? Yeah, bus takeout. I love it. It was it was fantastic. I I walked to Sunset. There was a bus approaching, so I got on. It was it made my ten minute walk a two minute bus ride, which is fantastic. Like that, that is ideally, you know, what people should be able to do. I mean, God forbid that I had actually decided to drive that distance a half a mile, but that's what people in LA do all the time. And that's what parking there specifically is very hard to do. And that's what you want people to not do. And the other, the other thing I just wanted to show that how it was highlighted so well in the article and Laura must have just rode a lot of buses around and talked to a lot of people because she got some really great stories, but people talking about how they commuted using a bus for their job and it was fine until they could no longer afford their apartment or their rent got raised and they had to move like an hour away, which would have been 15 or 20 minutes in a car, but with three transfers now on a bus or a train, you know, you're spending three hours on transit every single day instead of being with your family. With variables of an hour. Three to nine hours on transit a day. So, I mean, this is the other argument of, again, the lowest income families being pushed farther away where transit is not as good. And then people who move into these neighborhoods bring two cars. One of them is an SUV and don't take Metro. So I can see why people look at it and say, oh, well, we need to get those drivers on. We need to get those, you know, the people that we need to. And I, I, I just, I don't, I honestly convincing those people to get to take the train when they have their five SUVs in their parking spots. I don't think it's worth our time. And I don't, no. I don't want to talk to those people anymore. <laughs> I'm sad because I go on the like KCRW this week. You know, I do my little segment with, um, on Greater LA with Steve Shiotikis. If you're going to promote that on this show, Sorry. by the way, we're, Wait, we're, we're, we're going to get the flip side as well. <laughs> so that's, that's fine. <laughs> Everyone listen to Greater LA 
what Steve should take us. Only and ever. Now you only have to one. listen to it twice a month, though. Only when I'm on. No, just kidding. Um, but it's a great new local news show. But we talk about we talked about this. And in his perception, you know, he he's so great to talk to because he just like a, he's a driver. Like I'm a driver. He does what he says. And his thing is, well, we can't close a lane because then to for buses because then it will make my drive worse. And so what do you say to those people? We have people fighting bus lanes. We have people fighting bus rapid transit, protecting historic and beautiful medians in the um, Eagle Rock area that we should preserve. Um, how do we get the message to people that even if you're not going to get on the bus, that the bus is the best thing for you to support? Because they will still say it, see it that way. That was kind of shady. I don't know if I want you to do that to us on Greater LA. <laughs> 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 to your point about people commuting farther and farther out, uh, it, that is, I think, at least a partial driver of. So you uh, lose your apartment and you can pay rent out in Hemet or whatever it is, but you have a job in the city. And rather than spend six hours a day commuting because you can't afford a car, this is why people decide to live in a tent uh, and to keep whatever yes. yeah. low income job they have, at least they can get to work yes. at, a, at a reasonable time and not have to spend uh, two thirds of their life on a, but how do you convince people when that you're taking a lane away from them? How do you no, no complaints on the flower lane, right? So that that's what we've heard. That's what Metro said. There, yeah. There's been nobody complain, but there's complaints everywhere else that has been even whispered. Yes. So you, what you can do have you the say? road to yourself. What do you, that's what you say? I mean, you like all your enemies on the road, every other car that you hate because you're the only good car on the road. And you're <laughs> the protagonist is car. a bad car that's like just cruising around for no reason. <laughs> those, all of those people will disappear from the road or big enough numbers of them. If we really, really, especially on like those main arteries, if we got a great bus service that was, had five minute headways and had bus shelters where you could just post up and know that you were barely going to have to wait for, for a bus to show up and take you where you need to go. People would use it and they would not be in cars anymore. And this vast concrete ocean that we've built would would be yours to uh, <laughs> endanger yourself yeah. and and others in. So we more should say you would get dedicated car lanes. Dedicated car <laughs> lanes. I mean, if you think about it, it's like you take any of these major arterials, right? Sunset, uh, Santa Monica, Wilshire, Olympic, None of those are ever, ever going to be widened. That would be absurdly expensive. You would be. I could see them taking the sidewalk away. Oh, it's just, it's like. <laughs> or they would point. do on some streets. They turn off. You can't park during certain times of day, so more cars can go through. But, what, what but you a see lot of the streets, get, the sidewalk, though. the current sidewalk is not even big enough it's, to form right. a new it's minimal. lane. Yeah. So. yeah. If, if, for example, I just saw this tweet before I came over here about how the the market urbanism report is praising Trump for uh, his push to deregulate certain things. I feel like one of the things he might want to deregulate would be like the Americans Dis with Disabilities Act. So in a, in, a, in a future, like where third term Donald Trump is on the verge of death and he's getting rid of the ADA. Yes, maybe we will get rid of the sidewalks on Wilshire or something like that. Um, that That is the dystopian horror that awaits us. But you're right. Um, yeah, we're not going to widen roads. But the, it's not yeah. getting wider. So basically the situation that you have is this. The capacity for the number of cars on any of these streets, the number of people that we're pushing through any of these streets is never going to meaningfully increase unless we start moving people. You've got to take yeah, you have to the cars off the move road. Move people into transit. That is the yes. only way to deal with the traffic that we have is to get people out of single cars and into transit. That's and their the only way. response to that is, what if we just got rid of the people? And that is where we sort of reach <laughs> yeah, we, something of a philosophical impact. <laughs> yeah, I show that like NACDO chart where it says, you know, you ha it has like how many people can move per hour and the car is the least, you know, it's like car, dedicated busway, regular bus, bike lanes, even move people, more people than cars per hour. Sidewalks move the most people per hour through right. space, right? So... It seems like it should be very simple, but then a person looks at that and they say, well, no, I mean, there's not enough room for my car. And I don't Metro, know how to answer that No anymore. one's making the case. This no is why making, people don't this know. Is, this is a good case that City should be made. politicians are not making the case. Metro yeah. is not making the case. Only one noble podcast <laughs> stands alone I telling guess. people the truth. Yep. <laughs> Some good news this week. Formosa looks great. Have you, have you been? No, I just saw the pictures. I need to see it. Is it a, is a, is a real glow up? 
So situation. the Formosa people. <laughs> back. Yeah, people Ooh, might know. Was like a fun, cool, very like one of the oldest bars in Hollywood. Yeah. It's like where Johnny Stompanato met Lana Turner or whatever. Or Walt Disney once <laughs> sat with. The Walt Disney urinal yeah. is Walt, sealed off Walt there. Disney used to go there after shopping at the West Hollywood Target. <laughs> It was changed ownership and was redone a few years ago to disastrous Poorly. effect. Yeah. Right. It was a glow down. Uh, and so <laughs> it was shut down again and now it's back and it looks awesome. And they said they're making it, They the, the goal was to make it exactly the same as it looked in 1945. Wow. So if you wanted to go experience that year. Cool. It's open again. It looks really cool. We'll be back next week on LA Podcast. Thank you everybody for listening. Goodbye. Podcast. Really podcast. Really podcast gonna have.